Everybody, welcome to episode four of This Good Word. Today's word is wind. I want to talk about what it's like to feel stuck and frustrated. I want to talk about what it's like to catch the wind and move. I want to tell you about a sailing trip I was just on. And I want to talk about your picture of God. I want to give you a picture of God that moves you and helps you get unstuck. So lots of stuff to talk about today. Before I get into that, some shout outs. We get some new listeners from Vietnam, Sweden, Guatemala, Poland, Hungary, and that is awesome. Still a lot of listeners from Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the great state of California is number two behind Minnesota, which is fun because that is my home state. So shout out to all you Californians listening. I grew up in Oxnard, just about 60 miles north of LA, uh, right on the coast. So thank you. Still no one from Montana or Wyoming. So not sure if they even have internet out there, you guys, but if you do, (laughs) give me a shout out. Uh, Tweet something to me. Post something on Instagram proving that in Wyoming and Montana, there actually is the internets. Uh, Also, shout out to Didi. I absolutely loved the picture you posted on Instagram of you and your your hands, your daughter's hands, and your mother's hands. And it was like, I think it was on your daughter's wedding day, it seemed like. It was the six hands all together. Your hands, DD, were in the middle. Your mother's are on one side. Um, and it was just breathtaking. I loved it. So thank you for that. And uh, Emily from San Francisco, thank you for this great quote from episode one, which uh, was very fun. But you uh, quoted this, no one is made up of gold that we should worship and no one is made made of excrement that we should disregard. We are made from the same God-breathed dust. Can I get an amen? I mean, that was awesome. Uh, so that was from episode one. And then Natasha, this I think came from episode three, Skin, and you posted a picture of you doing this really awesome yoga pose, which is a name I, I, I should have looked up, but it's like you're, you're craned all the way back, arching your back, feet planted on the ground, palms planted on the ground, Face to the sky, so beautiful. And Natasha, I loved what you wrote on your Instagram feed. I feel both strong and beautiful. The growing awareness of my body and the space it takes up, that it's allowed to take up. Learning and growing in my practice, discovering my limits and breathing into them. Letting go of that which doesn't serve me stretching to unexplored possibilities, taking time to celebrate the small victories, remembering to smile from the inside. Boom. I mean, that is mic drop quality right there. Thank you, Natasha from Minneapolis. So very good. All right, let's dive into episode four here. I'm titling it Wind. And I do want to talk about a sailing trip I was just on that was uh, just unbelievable. 
five days of sailing the Apostle Islands on Lake Superior with eight guys in the boat. Uh, But before we do that, I do want to talk about God and about the picture of God that I had for a lot of my life and that many people have. And, you know, I I have a lot of uh, sympathy, maybe empathy even for atheists who have given up on a God that doesn't work anymore. And many times that God that you have given up on, I have given up on that same God. Um, It's a God that's wooden and inflexible, a confusing God that's chaotic, even sometimes seems manic depressive, uh, where we're constantly asking, how can we trust a God that would allow such and such and so and so God seems, this God seems capricious and seems to almost delight in getting people confused and stuck. And then when we don't do what that God wants to do, there's just, you know, we get slaughtered or punished. Uh, And I think that's primarily the God that just a whole lot of people have given up on. But uh, instead of finding the God of wind that I want to talk about, uh, I think there's this just hopeless uh, resignation to say, you know, I think um, I, maybe if there was a God that moved me, uh, maybe I would believe again, but I, I just have not found that God. And so I cannot pretend to put my trust in a God that seems so capricious and so unloving and so petty so many times. And so... Um, so let's let's look at Genesis chapter 1. And Genesis 1, there are many different styles of literature in the scriptures. There are prophets, there are letters, there are gospels, there's vast history annals, and then there's also poems and there's songs. And Genesis 1 is a very uh, intricate, intricately woven piece of poetry that brings in contrast. There's light and darkness. There's emptiness and fullness. And the writer is doing something that is really pretty amazing if you can see it as more than just this sort of wooden document. And so we read, of course, the famous words in the beginning is how it all starts. And in the beginning, the earth was without form. It was void and darkness was over the deep. And so these three uh, pervasive themes of formlessness and emptiness and darkness, all of that was hovering over the deep. And the deep is a reference to the sea, which for the the ancients, they were so fearful of the sea because it it contained monsters that might wipe out all of civilization. And it was unpredictable. The sea was chaotic. The sea would take you down and take you out. And so over the deep was formlessness, a void, a sense of emptiness and darkness. And there's this delicious phrase in the Hebrew to describe that darkness, emptiness, void. And it is tohu vavohu. And I love how those words kind of clash around on your tongue as you say them. Tohu Vavohu. It's that time in your life where you want to have a baby, but you can't. It is that time where you want to have a spouse, but you have not found that person. It's the time that you've been unexpectedly 
laid off and you have no idea how the next month's rent is going to be paid. It's the time that you are walking out of your lawyer's office when the final papers of divorce are have been signed. It's experiencing enormous levels of success without corresponding joy. It's success mixed with emptiness. It's a failure to launch a project that you worked time, time after time and month after month working on. And then you finally try to launch it, but it didn't get the investors. It didn't get the traction. You wanted people to pick up what you, what you were putting down, but they just didn't. That's a sense of darkness, hopelessness, and chaotic the chaotic swirling nature of that can drive you into hopelessness. And if you believe in a God who is wooden, inflexible, confusing, a God that even maybe even delights in you being in that place, then I think you will continue to be stuck in that place. So I want to talk about what it's like to move. I want to talk about what it's like to believe in a God that is on the move a God that is characterized by wind. Because right there in, the, in, the, in verse 2 of Genesis 1, we read, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So over those same waters where there's darkness and emptiness and void and chaos of loss and hopelessness, there is the Spirit of God that's hovering. And the Hebrew phrase for the Spirit of God right in the beginning of the story, which is where all good stories must flow from. And if you're 20 miles down river and you have a confusing picture of what the river should look like, you have to return to the beginning. Ruach Elohim is the name for Spirit of God. And Ruach, the, the best translation of that word is breath or wind. So what does it mean that from the very beginning of the great story, God is described not as wooden, not as inflexible, not as chaotic, not as manic depressive, but as breath or wind. So literally last night at 8.30, I returned to my wife and my boys uh, from five days of sailing on the Apostle Islands in Lake Superior. So I live in Minnesota. We drove north about four hours, and we got on this beautiful 50-foot sailing boat. There was eight of us, and uh, we learned a whole lot about what it was like to recognize where the wind is blowing. And there were six boats in our group, and we did three different races, which was so fun. And I learned so much about what it, what it means to sail. I learned you can sail into the wind. You can sail with the wind at your back. You can go north when you have an east wind blowing. You can go south when you have a west wind blowing. You can go where you need to go no matter where the wind is blowing. And it's all about setting your sails and making sure you are making the right adjustments at the right time. And so for those of you who haven't sailed before, uh, on a 50-foot boat, you have a mainsail, which is kind of the, the typical sail that you think about. It, it goes, it's on the mast right in the center of the boat, 
and it goes most of the time straight back. You are going to adjust that sail to catch the wind at different times. And then boats that are big enough, like the 50-foot boat that we were on, they also have what's called a jib, and that's a bigger sail that goes on the front of the boat or the bow, and the jib fills up with air, and it's sort of like, if, if, if you can imagine, it's blown wide open, and the mainsail is coming sort of perpendicular off of it, and those two sails together create a kind of vacuum that allows you to catch the wind no matter where it's blowing. And if the jib is on the uh, correct side of the boat, whether it's starboard, which is the right side of the boat, or port, which is the left, and the mainsail is set just right, you can move into the wind, you can move with the wind, and it's really amazing. And what you do to go from, to set your course, uh, like, for example, if you want to go around this certain island, uh, you have to basically zigzag your way toward the point that you want to go um, by, by doing a series of moves called tacks or jibes. And tacks are uh, when you swing the, when you, when you come about about 90 degrees with the sailboat, and then you swing the jib over to catch the wind to go uh in that different direction, 90 degrees, let's say you're moving north. Let's say you want to end up going northeast. You're going to go north for a while and then east for a while, then north for a while, then east for a while, zigzagging your way toward your destination. And it was so fun because when the wind is blowing uh, hard enough, when you have maybe 15 to 20 knots of wind or even more, at times we had up to 30 knots of wind, which is blowing pretty good. Uh, you can really move. And when a sailboat is catching the wind and we have the, the sails tightened down at to just the right degree, uh, the, the sailboat will heel way over 20 degrees, maybe sometimes even 25 degrees. And so uh, the person that's at the helm is is like could reach down and almost touch the water with her or his right hand and the rest of the crew is high side so that you know the weight doesn't pull the boat uh into doing a, what's called a crazy ivan which is this this move where the 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 rudder comes all the way out of the water and you do an unplanned 360 which did happen to us once but if you can just catch the tension there's this razor edge of catching the wind and you're going fast enough where the boat is heeled over, and and I've I had a chance to do this last year. You can, it's such an exhilarating feeling. There's a moment when you're catching the wind just right and you're moving as fast as you can. The boat is heeled over, the crew is high side, and you know that you are moving. It's exhilarating. And that I want to argue, that feeling. That moment is what it feels like to connect with the God and to move with the God that actually is out ahead of us. This God, the God, the Ruach Elohim, is not stuck in the past, is not chaotic, maybe might be confusing from time to time, but is trustworthy. We can get where we need to go when we're setting our sails in the right way, and it is exhilarating. So this crew of eight, I mean, we're outside on this boat 
all day. And if you ever, when was the last time you spent five days primarily out of doors? I mean, in the sun, it was sunny, which is a little atypical for mid-September up on the North Shore, up on Lake Superior. It was 70 degrees. Uh, we had good winds. We were sunburnt, windburnt, calluses on our hands from doing the tacking and pulling in the lines. And it's lines, not ropes, everybody. Don't go on a sailboat and ask to, you know, pull the ropes. They're lines. Uh, you know, and that was just a freebie there at Gang. Uh, but, uh, and, and, and we kind of settled into this groove again. There was eight of us, Jerry and I did a lot of the tacking and jiving. We kind of handled the jib. And so when the captain needed that tightened down a little bit or let, or let out a little bit, we would, we would do that. Uh, and then there were three guys, Ryan, Steve, and Scott, and they did a lot of the helming. They also, uh, handled, uh, the mainsail from time to time. They were sort of apprenticing, learning what it, what it means to be a captain, and uh, Jeff was our amazing chef cooking some crazy food. I'm sure I gained five pounds in five days, but it was all worth it. Jeff, the most hilarious six foot six, 61 year old man you're ever going to meet. And then there was George and Rick, sort of our elder statesmen that have about, you know, 80 years of sailing combined between the two of them. Rick was the captain, George sort of the co-captain, and to watch these two uh, create an experience and create space for the other six of us to learn and grow and become was absolutely breathtaking. Uh, they were not, you know, large and in charge, barking out, or, I mean, well, they did bark out some orders, but uh, they created a vacuum in our sails so that we could become and fill in and enlarge just like the Ruach Elohim comes in to the tohu vavohu the formlessness the void the darkness over the deep and fills it and connects dots together and gets creation moving forward these two men and especially Rick the captain uh, created an environment on this boat where some of the emptiness was filled in and some of the connections were made and so that we began to move forward as people. And it was really, really a special thing to be seen. We learned so much about the wind. We learned that you actually can see the wind. You think the wind's invisible, but when you're out on the water, there are several ways of seeing the wind. You can look at the sails of the other sailboats that are out there and you can kind of see what it's doing, if the sail is luffing or not, which is sort of like, you know, losing its air. If the sail is, or if the sail is really billowed out and tight, you know that that particular boat is catching the wind. We learned to look at the water and if we saw white caps, we knew that that meant there was at least 18, maybe 20, maybe 22 knots. And sometimes like the, where we were, uh, was pretty calm, but then just, you know, 100 yards out, we would see white caps, so we would know to head toward the white caps. We also learned to recognize that when there was a darkness on the water, and when that darkness was moving toward us, that meant a big gust was going to come. 
And so we all got really good at kind of calling and we sort of loved said, oh, we got a big gust coming, five, four, three, two, one, blow. And then the, and then the wind, the sails would fill up and we would start cranking and we would hoot and holler. And it was so, uh, it was so great. We learned that the wind is always going somewhere, even when that means sometimes it goes away. We learned that it takes a crew to harness the wind, that it really is something that's best done together. And I want to say something about our little crew. I don't know what kind of picture you have about eight guys on a, on a sailing trip. You know, maybe it's just ton of, a ton of picking on each other, sarcastic. And, they, you know, there was some of that, but the affection that existed between the eight of us and the culture of encouragement, affirmation, and love that was fostered on that boat um, made me believe that there is a God that is moving us forward uh, into a new way to be together, especially as men. I get so tired of the insecurity and the everyone's got to be the hero. Everyone's got to... Um, you know, everyone's got to make sure you're proving who you are and what you're doing and you're the best and the competitive side of that. It just gets so old and so tiring. So on this boat, we learned that the wind takes us to a place of expansiveness and freedom. We also learned sometimes the wind's just not blowing. And we had one day like that. Really, out of five days, we only had one day where it was really... You couldn't do much sailing. We tried to do a race that day, and we ended up having to kind of motor in toward this bay because the wind just wasn't blowing. And there are times in your life where the wind just isn't blowing. It's just not going to take you somewhere. And during those times, you put the anchor down, and you wait. And you watch, and you wait with your crew, and you get ready because the next morning, you never know where the wind might be blowing. I learned that it's really helpful to find a master of the wind, someone like the captain, Captain Rick, and let him create a vacuum in your sails so that the wind of God can fill you and connect the dots that are unconnected and can move you. I mean, I cannot express, and I'm 44, but to be around a 63-year-old man that knows how to create space for those who are younger to come and fill in and become who they are is such a priceless gift. And I would say if you want to learn how to catch the wind of what God is doing in your life, find a master. Find someone who knows where they're going, who knows how to recognize the wind who knows how to tell when a gust is about to come so you can tighten that sail down or loosen it up so that you can go where you need to go. And I learned that out in the deep, I mean, we were out in the middle of Lake Superior and one day in particular, the rollers, the, the waves were coming huge. Was, there were six to eight feet. Two or three of us got massively seasick and it was not a pretty picture, but out in the deep. It is scary. Uh, out in the tohu vavohu, you don't know what's going to happen. 
uh, darkness is out there, chaos is out there, failure is out there, uncertainty is out there, but that's also where the wind is. And so there are times where you just got to point toward the deep and get out on the waters, even though you're afraid, that's where the wind is going to take you. There's a psalm, there's a Psalm 18, 15, and 16, and I love what David, the writer King David does with this. He was this crazy warrior, king, poet, musician. He was kind of the Bono of the time. Uh, And he wrote this, Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blasts of the ruach, the breath of your nostrils. And then the writer, David, writes, God sent from on high, God took me, God drew me out of many waters. So even in the darkness and the chaos of the tohu vavohu, we read about a powerful God who is named Wind, who will send from on high and who will rescue you out of many waters. Can I get an amen? There is a wind that is blowing, and it's blowing towards hope. And it's blowing towards faithfulness. And it's blowing toward wholeness. And it's blowing toward unity and bringing us together. It is not blowing toward destruction. It is not blowing towards despair. It's not blowing towards conflict. It's blowing toward wholeness. It's blowing toward peace. It's blowing toward a future where you and I learn what we were created to do on this planet, and then we get out and do it. Wind. Ruach Elohim. So I want to leave you with what's blowing my mind, and I want to thank you for listening in. This is episode four, and it's really been a fun journey for me. Lots and lots of you are um, are tuning in and listening and sharing, and I really appreciate that. So I want to thank you for that. And I want to leave you this this video that's blowing my mind. I'm a big YouTube fan, and that's probably already already come through. And if you're not much of a YouTube fan, you can go ahead and pass on this. But uh, there's a video that they did uh, from the 2014 MTV EMAs, and they did a version of Every Breaking Wave off their new record, Um, Well, they're sort of new record now. I guess it's not that new anymore, but uh, Songs of Innocence. And the song Every Breaking Wave, they do it in this acoustic version. So uh, the Edge is playing piano, uh, and then eventually Larry comes in on these really massive sort of bongo drums. Uh, Adam Clayton finally comes in on bass, and Bono's just singing into the mic. And what blows me away about this video is how... Bono fully commits to it. I mean, I want you to watch uh, as he fully commits to every note. Watch the tension and release of the song. Watch the imperfections come out and then fade away and disappear. Watch what happens with the simplicity of the instrumentation. And then take that video. Just, you know, just Google Every Breaking Wave MTV EMAs 2014 and you'll find it on YouTube or somewhere else. 
but uh, and then take that energy, take that commitment, take that example of tension and release, and then you go do your thing. You go, and it's going to be fully human. It's going to be fully uh, a mixed bag. It's not going to be perfect. But you put your thing out there into the world, whatever it is, and you trust that that's going to create a vacuum in your sails so that the wind can blow in your life and can create all kinds of good in the world. Hey, let's be in it together because we, after all, are dust and breath. We are human and we are holy. We are limited and we are limitless and we are in this together. Have a great week, everybody. I will see you next Thursday.